It's time to become a member of Playvolution HQ and Exploration's Early Learning. There's a free option and three paid patron-level options. All come with free stuff and ongoing automatic training and merch discounts. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron. That supports our work and you get premium stuff like early access to fresh podcast episodes. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash membership or click the link in this episode's description to learn more. All the cool listeners are doing it. On with the show. I'm Jeff Johnson, coming to you live from upstairs studio in the snuggery along the Gulf of Mexico, coming to us from uh, places unknown across the world. We've got Rachel and Rebecca, R&R, back for another episode. How y'all doing? I'm doing extra fantastic. Ooh, extra. A little nervous at the moment. Nervous? I just watched an excavator drive by my front window with a go-kart on it, and my Son following behind quickly in another go-kart. Oh, that sounds like there's going to be go-kart races at your house this evening. Probably. Some, some Easter weekend go-kart races, as well, as one not. does. Um, that sounds real real good. Did I talk to you guys about Beach Jesus? No. Beach, beach Cheeses or Beach no. Jesus? Beach Jesus. I can't okay. remember. Maybe that was Sam. Um, you know, here here at the Snuggery, down a couple buildings down, Um uh, I, I I saw he was standing on his balcony the other day with uh, it was Beach Jesus and uh, you know the hair the beard uh, the abs the Jesus abs um, and he was just standing out there smoking a cigarette and um, I, I yeah I mean hey don't don't you judge if Beach Jesus wants to smoke Beach Jesus can smoke but um, he just uh, and apparently he lives with a couple of his d- disciples they were a couple yeah so um, this is a I, I, I don't know. I just haven't seen him in a couple of days. So I don't, I don't know. I hope he's coming back. Um, uh, um, oh, okay. We got to get into all the stuff we were going to talk about. Um, yeah, uh, so last time we... so does, does Beach Jesus live near the, the turtle area where you've been finding these? Well, don't animals? give away. Okay. We, I mentioned, I found a, a dead turtle. Um, then about a week and a half, two weeks ago, I found there are a couple of people and they were, they were like tourists on my beach, like vacationers. They weren't like beach people. Um, and they're all excited and, and lo and behold, there's a, there's a little, a little tiny, tiny little turtle guy, um, or damsel, um, right there, right there along the, along the beach. Uh, you, if you put your index finger and your thumb together, that's kind of about how big the shell was just a tiny little thing. And, and it was, it was in the. It was in the uh, the surf. It hadn't just crawled out, so it had been. I, I was wondering if it had been the turtle that you released in Mexico, Rebecca. Um, it didn't have. It didn't have. If found, call Rebecca. So I I couldn't prove it, but um, I called the turtle people, and they were really excited that there was a a tiny little turtle still alive someplace. And then uh, last uh, ah, Captain Morgan's uh, private stock listeners. If you're looking for a good beach rum. 
Captain Morgan's private stock. Um, Tasha and I uh, walk to the coffee shop, which is like an hour and 15 minute walk each way. Uh, but we're walking back on, on the beach and, and there, there the tide was just, uh, was just starting to go out and there was a, another dead turtle. Except this one had a, this one's shell was probably 30 inches side to side. It's a wow. big ass turtle. And I called the dead, dead turtle people again. Um, this is my fourth call to them in a month. So I think they might be thinking I'm a murderer. Um, and, and I'm like, Hey, the, the tide is moving. So this thing might be gone before you, before you get here. Would you like us to put it up on the beach? And she's like, if you don't mind touching a dead sea turtle. And I'm like, we're very excited to touch a dead sea turtle. <laughs> and so it took both of us to lift it up and heft it up on on the beach for for the turtle people to come and take tissue samples and stuff to see to see what offed it. Um, was it in like a like what kind of condition? was this turtle did it just look like a turtle like or was it like it looked well it looked like a dead turtle you know what i mean though like did, was it missing was it limbs like was it it hurt was somewhere i didn't didn't see any injuries i didn't have my forensic kit with me i mean look if your kid would have been here he would have pulled out his forensic kit he would have told me it had uh sticky butt or whatever that's called <laughs> um uh and <laughs> Uh, no, I didn't. Didn't seem to have any major injuries. It, its shell wasn't cracked. I did. It was. It was the exact size. If you were going to make a realistic Ninja Turtle costume for a three and a half year old, it was the exact perfect size to put a three and a half year old in. That's um, big. So it's probably like a leather. Are they? Do you know if they're leatherbacks? The big, mm, the big ones are. Leather I don't think. I, I don't think it was. I can't remember what kind. I think it was, but. Um, um, I, I didn't look it up, but it, yeah, it was, it was, a, 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 it was sad. Um, so that happened. Um, I got, we got to talk hide and seek in a bit, but Rachel, what's going on with your rough and tumble play? Um, honestly, uh, right now. So we, I think last time we talked, I, did I tell you that they made their own rules? Yeah. Yeah. We talked last time we recorded, um, I, I, I said I, I threw out the challenge and then you you messaged that that you tried it, but we haven't talked about it on the show yet. So I um, honestly, I forget what the rules were because it's been so nice outside. We've been going to the park and they've just been um, living their best lives out out at the park. <laughs> but um, I've noticed that it really even with them making the rules now that they have the opportunity to do it they're not really doing it you know what they I mean? go through phases yeah where they like do it a lot just like anything right like they play in the block area and they're building like a train every day for right. you know six weeks and then they're, they're done for a while doing it. Yeah. so according to my notes the only rule they added from the ones you had was no pinching yes which pinching. i mean i get that i i think i mean that's a that's a great rule and as adults, we probably don't don't think about that when we're making rules for rough and tumble play. But the kids, they're actually involved in it. And so after you've been pitched, pinched a couple of times and you realize you don't like it, of course, that kind of rule comes up. So, right. so they're they're really good at figuring out what kind of rules they need. If And if there's a pincher in the group, that, right. that rule is going to evolve. So that's good. Right. No. And like, but like I said, we're not. Um, they've been doing really good. And actually I started since we're outside, like, um, 
I've been like, hey guys, who wants to play tag? Because our last episode we were talking about that and it really bothers me that our kids um, might be losing that opportunity. So I've just kind of been like suggesting it um, to the, the classes and they've been loving it. And it's just getting them to understand the concept because it's three to five-year-olds. So like the older, the five-year-olds get it. But like the three-year-olds are like, I just want to, I touched him. Now I'm it. And I'm like, no, you're not. Now you got to run. Okay, run. And so we're just trying to grasp the rules of tag right now. It's like all those stages of play, right? Like the games with rules is like higher up there for sure. It takes some time. So they haven't rough and tumble play out, played outside? Not really. Oh. Huh. Not really. Um, I, What's and the I, ground I, like though? Like you say, you guys go to the oh, park. Is it because there's like grass? Because that's itchy. The uh, the ground up. We go to an act like a park park. When we go there, they are so excited. So um, to I let them climb the slide. So they are so yes. They that is like the best thing in the world to them. So we have a designated slide that everybody climbs up, and the other ones are for going down. Just. Um, the swirly slide, I feel like is a good slide for climbing. So we, um, that's what their sole focus has been at the park and the park is mulch mostly, yeah. but I mean, they're just not, they're, they're so excited to have swings and to have this giant climber. And well, yeah, I, I think like mulch and grass, both of those things are not conducive for like rolling around, you know? Right. What I mean? Right. They're not loving it. And then when we can't go to the park, um, the playground that we have is actually mostly concrete and it has a small square area that is grass, but it's that fake um, material. Mm -hmm. and yeah. so, I mean, the, there are a few kids who rough and tumble play and it makes me very nervous because it's con like, it's concrete underneath. Yeah. But um, no, they haven't really been they're more about running and let's get the chalk out. And I've been taking the classroom outside a lot, um, whatever I have planned for the day, taking it outside. So there's just so many, I feel like there's so many options mm -hmm. and yeah. they're excited for it, that they're not. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing, since you've, you've started allowing it, they, they may have got it out of their system for right. three weeks or six months and then they'll, they'll circle back to it, but, right. but ha having them know what's an option um it, it is great because there are there are a lot of kids out there where um it's it happens all the time in classrooms where it's banned because they don't get the opportunity so um with with things like that you could they the 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 amount it happens will act, will actually decline in classrooms where it's allowed just because it's allowed and they get out of their systems they can move on to to the other thing um, in those places where it's not allowed, where it's taboo, where they've got to sneak, sneak it into their days, um, it's more in the forefront of their minds. Yes, right. I would love to see that. I would love to see that line graph of <laughs> like the occurrences of rough and tumble play and big body play um, in classrooms where it's not allowed and classrooms where it's allowed and, and see kind so, of the patterns. That would be so interesting to actually like document that. Um, so the classroom next to mine, they don't allow it, even though I've suggested it and like modeled it. I'll start taking, um, writing down dates, like of when we do it and how much like frustration there is. Cause I feel like not frustration. What's the word? Like the other room's frustrated. I'm not frustrated. Right, I'm like, right. you know, it's fine. But like, I can hear them like, we don't play like that. 
So I'll start documenting like <laughs> what I hear and what mm-hmm. I hear, like vice versa. Cause that's kind of like a side by side. Yeah. I, I just see you with a wall, a, a glass up to the wall so, listening. No, uh, listen, I don't have to because the, where I work, um, it's in an old church. And so the pre-K classroom is the old, um, where the stage was, whatever you want to call it, the main, the main area. But anyways, they just put in a dividing wall that goes up to the stage Mm. and then the doorways open and we share counter space. So literally I I hear you're in like the same room. Yeah. Yes. There's just a dividing wall. So I I hope the staff in that room is listening to the show to know that. So they know Rachel's spying on them right now. Oh, they know. know. (laughs) Actually the teacher is one of my really good friends. So (laughs) I am, I worked. So the last preschool that I worked at, uh, there was also another pre-K classroom. I was a pre-K teacher and like the difference in, and this is why I just think it's mind blowing how many programs are like this. Um, we've, talked about this on the podcast before uh, in other podcasts too is is how many different programs can be under one roof so like my program was like other people called it like the hippie class because I let the kids like have their shoes off like I let them roll around like they could get dirty outside and the other pre-k class you know like I said same school even the same building that we were in and they w- were very strict. They were constantly doing like craptivities. They were not allowed to run. They had to be lined up all the time when they were going to and from the yard and things like that. Um, and, and it was really interesting to, to see the behaviors that were so problematic for them in their classroom when I had kids who developmentally had a lot more going on and were fine in my room, you know? And so, yeah, I also, I mean, there are so many times where I would hear those things where I'm like, man, I just want to take that kid and bring them into my class, you know? (laughs) (laughs) My class would be so much better for you, Timmy. But it's just like, can you imagine the stress level? Like I have to say it. So first off to me, the whole thing is just a power struggle. It's a control thing. Um, Sure. Let me, I, that's micromanaging the kids, in my opinion, like let them be kids. But yeah. can you imagine the stress level? Like I can tell you now just from learning about rough and tumble play and this, where I was at stress wise when I wasn't allowing it, as opposed to now I'm allowing it. And with p- parameters, you know, that the kids mm-hmm. have come up with, I'm, it's m- makes my classroom better day to day. Like my stress level. I can level hear it is, in your voice. Yeah, Yeah, it's way different now. Also, it just for my voice, I just finished planning a lot of stuff at my job Friday. Like it all went off without a hitch. I am de-stressed today. This is my (laughs) no stress day. It's been a stressful month. So I think that when you talk about your classroom, though, I think just from the the pods that we've recorded together and stuff, I think that I've heard and just like. I, I can see you, you know, cause we recorded, we can see each other on zoom. Um, so I just your body language and like your, the way that you speak about your experience in the classroom, just, you just seem more at ease because you've found tools that help you feel successful and right. that you help, you feel like you're helping the children have success under your right. care, which is so, so such a big relief. You know, yeah. when you're having those stressful moments, you want to, you want to have that relief. And I, I feel like I can sense that relief 
from yeah you. that's what i mean i'm really happy with my class right now i think there was a um there was a little bit of a time where i was just i don't know if i want to say burnt out i mean i was i was burnt out and i was frustrated um and i needed to take a step back and think about like take a reflection on it of what's going on in here and why and that's when i was like you know what the biggest thing i'm seeing are these boys just like going at it and why does that trigger me so much why does that stress me so much okay it stresses me because i don't want them hurt i feel like that's not the typical like how a classroom should be seen you know and like why is that so important who's seeing the classroom really throughout the day besides besides right. me who's the classroom for the classroom is for the people in it yeah right and so like just to come come to that term and just let them let them be kids they're like i said the behaviors have improved so much the communication they're open to talking to me um i feel like more because they know that it's not i i don't know like who is it mrs nelson do you do you remember those books like i'm not that big mean mrs nelson that's like oh yeah yeah you you have to sit and do this. Like, I don't want to be that teacher. I want to be somebody that the kids know loves them and will keep them safe. And, you know, we'll talk to them. Let's have a conversation. Let's do that. So I feel like by allowing rough and tumble play, I opened that door to right. that. You know, I, I took think that they, they trust you, but also part of it is that you've shown trust in them. Yes. Right. It's a reciprocal thing. That not only do they feel like you are going to keep them safe, but you trust them to keep themselves safe. Right. And children don't often get that from adults, right? They're often patronized and told they can't do something that they very know, they know very well that they're capable of doing, like balancing on a wall or standing right. on a bench, God forbid. Um, and so I think that when children have a, an adult in their life that sees them, as a competent and capable person and not just a little kid, then that's when you really, that, that relationship goes from like, oh, we care about each other. to like, we really truly know each other, right? you know? And it, it creates that level of intimacy as a caregiver that is, is unmatched, I think. When Isn't you reach that, that just, It took that one thing though, like that yeah. one, it, that's all yeah. it takes sometimes. Yeah, is to, to find that that gap or that that block, that barrier that's preventing connection from happening. And if you can figure that out and, and take away that barrier, then it, beautiful things can happen, right? Like, have you noticed a, a, a change in the relationships among the children? Like, that they get along and communicate better? Yes. But, um, the biggest thing right now that we're working on, and it's not even everybody, like, it it's um not screaming like they'll they'll scream at each other when we're frustrated right so i'm like okay both of you let's take let's take a step back from this for a second and then i'll have like a third party come in and like well well, well he 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 and i'm like okay let's stop honey they can talk for themselves and um, then we'll take turns and we'll talk about but like right now that's just our biggest issue and i feel like if that's the biggest issue it's developmentally appropriate like that Ouch. that's fine. I can, I adults can, need, that. Adults yes. can help with that too. Adults should have someone mediating for them as well. Right. It's called a counselor, I think, at this yeah. point. <laughs> I, I like it when kids step into lawyer for somebody else. Hey, right. hey I'm, I'm your advocate. Yes. 
a lot well, of times they're right oh too. You ever notice that? You're sure. like, okay, hold on, let's let everyone talk, and then you it, it all comes down to it, and that kid's in the back, like, I told you guys. That's what, that's what I was saying. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm like, okay, it's fine. So, uh, so yesterday I was uh, I was headed uh, down the street to the grocery store, went outside to, to hop on my bike, and uh, out the out the door here at uh, upstairs studio at the snuggery. We've got a got a little patio, got a bike rack there, so uh, bikes are easily accessible. And I I look at my bike, and between between the patio where my bike rack is, and uh, and where I've got a couple plants sitting off next to it, there is a a human child, a human boy child about the ages of eight, just kind of cowered down between the bike rack and this, this uh, big tall palm plant I've got there. And uh, he looks at me and he looks terrified <clears throat> because I've walked, uh, I, I've seen him there. And the first words out of his mouth are, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm just hiding. I'm like, oh, playing tag and he shakes his head i'm like yeah okay and so i'm getting my bike and and as i'm about ready to head it off he's just kind of there he's like don't tell him where i'm at i'm like well look i'm not gonna go around the corner and yell hey guys he's back there but if they ask me really polite hey have you seen seen so and so kid um, I'm going to, I'm going to say, well, he's, I, I saw him behind that building and he pauses for, he looks at me for a second and says, oh, that's fair. Um, <laughs> and I, and I get around the corner and, and I walk about 20 yards and then the group of kids come running like, have you seen a kid in a red shirt? Um, uh, like, yeah, he's, he's, he's behind that building and they take off running. And I, I said it loud enough. So he had a chance to, to take off before before they got around the corner. So I, I got to be involved in a, in a little bit of hide and seek, which uh, I found, I found delightful because it's been a long time since I played hide and seek. Tasha, Tasha, not, not much into hide and seek. Um, it, you know, I, I thought it would be romantic, like a little bit of hide and seek here at home, but, but no, it doesn't, doesn't happen. So last time you guys played hide and seek. Um, I play, so I have seven nephews and two nieces. They're teenagers now. But I mean, maybe a few years ago when they were like preteens, we would play hide and seek usually in the house with the lights off. Sure. And like at night, obviously, and use a flashlight um, depending on the age of the person. So like the older kids couldn't use flashlights, but like the younger kids were allowed to use flashlights if they were the ones looking for for other people so yeah just a few years ago i love it it's like one of my favorite games to play with kids sure because you get to you get to you get to make your you get to find good hiding places you get to there's the you get your pulse up every once in a while there's all kinds of excitement yeah like it reminds me of like when you were mentioning that kid you're like oh i i said it loud enough to give him time to, to go somewhere else i'm like well that depends on the rules they set sure do you yeah. have do you have to stay in your spot because some kids are really stickler about that and some are like no you can move Oh, I, yeah. I think I think the local rule is they've got a base. There's like a picnic table. It's a base, and if you if you can be hid and then make it back to that base before the if you get found, then you become a seeker hmm. with the other seeker. But if you can get back to the base without the seekers finding you or something, then I don't know. It seems very complicated. But I guess they that's, know. Yeah, yeah, they know. Rachel, when's the last time you played hide and seek? 
I mean, does it count if I'm hiding and no one knows that they should be seeking? Well, see, that, <laughs> that brings me to my most recent hide and seek experience because I'm in the same boat because, you know, I've got my dolphin friends now and, uh, and for, for about a week there, I'd go out to play with them and I couldn't find them. And I realized we were playing hide and seek and I was the seeker and they're just, those sons of bitches are just great at hiding. <laughs> Look, if a dolphin doesn't want you to know where it is, the ocean is, a, the ocean is a big fucking place and that dolphin can make itself invisible. Um, so I, I've, been, I've been playing a lot of uh, dolphin based hide and seek lately and I'm, I'm not very, not very good at it. Um, the, the last human hide and seek I played was um, I think years ago with my, when my grand, with my granddaughter, when she's like four, we'd play hide and seek and uh, she'd like count and I'd go hide. And I, you know, I, I went to, I think the last time I, I went to lay down to take a nap um and and just because she was supposed to be taking one too um and then i fell asleep and and i woke up with her next to me so she she did found me did she did find me but we we both got a good got a good rest too so that was that was very fulfilling i i i um so my son and i kind of have this game especially when he i call him when i say it's when he's being a little turkey but when he's in a sour mood um he'll like go in his bedroom and it's probably not like doesn't make me mom of the year but i'll mock him and hide somewhere and he has to come find me and i don't know like initially he's really mad when he starts searching mm -hmm. but then when he finds me like i've got him giggling and laughing but i mean as for me playing that's the closest i've gotten and that happens like a couple times a week <laughs> But, I think it, it's fun to use humor sometimes to get kids out of a bad mood, you know? Yes. Yeah. But I have, it's funny that we're talking about this because recently, um, as you guys know, I live in Illinois and in Illinois, you can experience all four seasons in one day. It's, we'll wake up and it's 34 degrees and by four o'clock it's 80. So the kids, my, we've been hanging out at my best friend's house and she has three kids um, a three-year-old, a four-year-old, and an 11-year-old, and then my son's seven, and they've been playing hide-and-seek, and it's actually just been kind of fun to be the parent that sits back and watches them, um, because the three-year-old, like, they're so sweet with her. They're like, come on, you can be with me, and we'll go find them, and and then, the, but she's also got this, like, little independent streak, and she'll be like, I can do it, <laughs> but they're all counting to 50 and she can't do that. So <laughs> it's, great to see, it's great to see. Um, Cause I mentioned my nephews and nieces, they've, they've, they're all have all gotten older, but it's interesting to see as they age and watching them play these games, because like when they're three, they're, they're a little more patient, you know, a little sweeter, a little more lenient. And then you got, you start to see as those, those cousins get older, or those friends get older and they're like, all right, you're six now. Like, you can't, there's no more, there's no more sandbagging. Like we're, we're definitely, we're definitely making sure that you're an equal player here. Um, but it, it just goes back to banned games. I've worked in preschool programs where hide and seek was not allowed because really? the children have to be supervised. And if they're hiding, then the teachers can't visually supervise them. Uh -huh. I would not last there. We play hide and seek in my classroom. Um, which is really, 
really it's sad because you know we're not supposed to have blind spots so like where do, where are the kids really hiding they go in a mm-hmm. corner yeah yeah <laughs> look at i'm like oh i don't know where my class is they're so quiet <laughs> but but to them they love that you know what i mean like they still um there was it was probably like november um they designated a spot we have like a little couch and they designated that was the counting spot and so one person would come and I was sitting on the couch and they would sit with me and we would practice our counting. And at the time they were all fairly new threes. So we were counting to 10 and the other kids went and picked a spot and then they would walk around the room and everybody came back to the couch and the last person found was the next person to count. And I, we played that, I kid you not, for like an hour and a half. When have you seen three-year-olds that stay engaged in something for like, that's not yeah that's not today so that just makes my heart sad because it's a fun it can still be supervised even with them hiding like they yeah this is the so I have one example that sticks out of my mind I was working on the playground with uh that same class I mentioned earlier I I was in the pre-k room and then I worked with another pre-k class and um at that time we shared yard time together and so it was really hard because like, I would let the kids do all kinds of stuff. Like they could go on the monkey bars, however they wanted. Other teachers didn't like that. So there was all this like conflict, right? Of um, what was allowed and what wasn't. And I remember the kids getting in trouble and me having to like advocate for them because you know, the ball bins that the, the big round ball bins that have like the rope handles on the side, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. your typical, typical ball bin that you see in a playground. The kids would empty them out and go in them and hide, or they would flip them over and go in them and hide. And they would play games like that, whether it was hide and seek or it was like a pretend play game where they were hiding within the game, right? Um, And I didn't care. I would just remind them that if they dumped all the balls out, like, could they help me pick them up before we went inside? And they would all be like, sure, cool, because you're letting us do this. And the other teachers would come down from their breaks or whatever. And, and they would get the kids in trouble because they were going un- they were going under and they were told the kids that they couldn't see them when they were inside. So they couldn't keep them safe. That was number one reason why they couldn't allow it. And number two reason is because they can't breathe in. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? And I'm sitting there listening to this bullshit logic. And these kids are looking at this teacher like, are you guys stupid? You know, but they're not saying anything because they're getting in trouble. And so, yeah, I had to, you know, talk to uh, my director about it because I had already spoken my piece with these teachers and, and eventually I ended up leaving that school. But yeah, I mean, these, these kids were just playing. They were just playing and they, they could breathe. And uh, you're like, oh, I can't see you in there. Well, what am I doing? I'm in here. I'm in a thing. Like, what do you think I'm doing in here? Kind <laughs> of space, very tiny space. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I Ellen Ellen Sandsetter. Do you guys know her? No. So she's she's a Norwegian. I should, I mean, she's a Norwegian researcher. Um, uh, Queen Maud University College of Early Education in Norway, and she did research and um, 
about risky play and she came up with six categories of risky play and one of the categories is disappearing or getting lost and it is is one of the um the others are children like exploring great heights rapid speeds dangerous tools dangerous elements rough and tumble and getting uh or disappearing or getting lost and so this this it's this innate drive it's something kids are wired to to experience and want to experience and play at and games like hide and seek or or just closing themselves up in things and and making themselves tiny and invisible is is something they're drawn to and there there are risks involved um i mean they could end up getting lost for real um and they i mean they could probably end up someplace where they literally couldn't breathe um it's unlikely to happen in a in a plastic ball storage been um but but creating opportunities in our in our classrooms and environments for kids to experience that is something that we should be embracing instead of something we're we're trying to we're trying to shut down um so there's that yeah it's so funny that you mentioned that because i never made this connection until you were saying that is um at that same program i worked on five acres of of woodland and i've mentioned before that the other teachers did not utilize this space i would always take the kids outside and go on we would go on hikes together essentially and there was this area called the coyote bushes that's kind of what the kids named it because there were coyote bushes there that's the name of the bushes but there was just this really like dense area with these bushes and so the way it was set up is there was probably i don't know like 30 coyote bushes fairly densely packed together and then behind that bunch of bushes was like corner, a cornered fence. So there was like a barbed wire fence on one side because it was like a natural landscape. And then the other side was like a chain link fence that was connected to the school. And so I would let the kids go in the coyote bushes basically alone, knowing mm-hmm. that there was a barrier. Like they can't get past these two fences mm-hmm. on either side, right? And so I would watch them and see who was going into the, these bushes and make sure I knew, you know, okay, I know that these five kids are in there and I would listen out for them. And I would be, if, if something happened, you know, I could get in those bushes and attend to someone immediately, but I, I would tell them that, oh, adults can't go in there. This is only space for kids, mostly because I didn't want to climb through the branches. <laughs> um, but also to give them, now that I'm thinking about it, it was really to give them that opportunity to just go be without me without me like watching them and hovering over them. And they loved it. They would, they would guide each other on hikes and they would like gather people and be like, do you guys want to go on a hike? And this was a small space, but they felt like they were going on their own hikes because they were taking charge of it and they weren't with me. Yeah. And, and what kind of view do you have as a child of the world in an environment where an adult trusts you to do things like that compared to an environment where the children are told, if I can't see you, you're not safe. Right. Um, that's, that's a big difference in, in worldview. And, and you, we, we wonder why we have kids that are getting a little bit older and they're having anxiety attacks about being in the world. Um, we're, we're, we're doing plenty of things to, to create that for them, which is, which is a sad commentary about, about life in the 21st century. Is that what this is? 21st century? Still, yeah. It feels like it's been a long time, but yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, in, in the three years that I worked at that program, I had not one injury or incident happen in that area other than, you know, maybe someone got scratched in the face with a a branch or Mm -hmm. something like that. 
but yeah, I mean, the, the kids went in there and I, of course, you know, you know, your kids and you know, the relationships that you have and the relationships the children have with each other. So, you know, there might be a year where I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that. You know, if I was having some safety issues some behavioral issues with, with certain kids or certain relationships, but you have to know your kids. And when you do, then you don't worry about that kind of stuff. You're like, I know that if I send this group of kids into these bushes, if something happens, at least I know this one's going to come out and run and tell me. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, the tattle, <laughs> the tattler is with them. Everything will be fine. Yeah. And, and you have the, the caregiver, right? There's always like that one kid, typically a girl. So not always, but there's that, that one who's like the mother, right. Who's mother like wanting man. to make sure everybody's safe and everybody's, everybody's okay. And you know, she's the kid who wants to have the bandages in her pocket to give to somebody. Um, and so when you have that, that sense of community, you don't need to have your eyes on the kids every second. It's, it's hard for them and, and for us to feel that pressure at all times. Rachel, you're, you're out in the country. Is your, your little guy do any wandering or is he a homebody? So we, it depends. No, he doesn't really wander too far. It's all open plains. So we can like, he could be six miles away and you could still see him. Uh, Yeah, I can see him. The only, and I mean, he's free to go like right now I'm watching him and he's on his dirt bike, just riding circles around, whatever. Um, the only time I ever worry about him is if he goes in the back with the cows. And I mean, which obviously I know there's big animals back there and, um, there's a huge pond, which now he can swim. So I don't, I'm not as worried, but when he was smaller, I did just because, uh, um, he didn't, he, he, we like to say Sebastian has no fear. Um, he will, but he does. Um, but he, he, when he's home, he's more comfortable with risk play, right? So he'll mm-hmm. do more risky things that I feel like he would not do at school or anywhere else, but that's fine. I want that behavior. You know, I yeah. want, I want, I always say, I want to raise a child who, as much as I don't want him to leave, I want him to be comfortable and secure enough to leave someday yeah. to yeah. do what he wants. So, I mean, if that starts with him exploring around here, go for it. Yeah, you gotta you gotta stay on that, that cow pasture. That's yeah, that's that that's his you. only limit is there. The things that scare you are things that are out of his control and your control, right. right? Like a body of water, like that is a hazard. It's not just a, a risk, you know. And I right. think that's the difference. Is these are these are giant animals, horses, cows, things like that, where we can't control them. They're their own beings, and I think that's something that is really important to teach children too, is, is to respect those animals. Um, right. cause at, at my forest school, we have to share space with uh, equestrian trails. And so we have a lot of people who bring their horses to the park and walk their horses through the park. And it's really important for kids to understand that, yeah, that's a really cool creature and it's really beautiful and it's really fun. And you sing about it in uh, old McDonald, but it can really hurt you, you know, right. uh, or worse. And so I think that having those limits is really beneficial too for kids, not just to keep themselves safe, but understand that that there's more than just the human world that we have to engage with, right? But I feel like kids know their own, like Sebastian knows he won't, he doesn't want to go in the back without us, right? Like mm-hmm. he's scared of the cows without me adding anything. Yep. 
to the cows to scare him. If that, it, you know, he's scared of the pond without me adding, Hey, this is super dangerous to it. Um, mm-hmm. We have that natural instinct of fear. Like we, we, it's built into us. So I feel like yeah. your kids now they're not always right. I'll give you like, there are some times where it's like, eh, you really should be a little more <laughs> fearful of this, but for them, at least for my son, like, realistically around here he has a natural fear of the things that he should mm-hmm. probably be a little bit leery of yeah, yeah. We're, we're wired for self-preservation and right. most of us are pretty tuned in to what our abilities are um and 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 we write ride that line pretty well most kids aren't going to climb higher than they feel comfortable climbing that they can get down from. They're not gonna. They're gonna. They're not gonna try to jump from something that they they don't feel that they can they can safely land at. And again, most kids, most of the time. Right. And so when we create these environments where they're they're trusted to to kind of find that edge where they where they're doing the things they're feeling comfortable with and and able to to hold back on the things that are maybe not. Um, things kind of progress pretty nice. How empowering that must be too for those kids, you know, like to have them trust them and let them do that. Like kids deserve to be empowered too in their choices. It was really wonderful to, I, I, I had a hard time working at that school that I mentioned as far as like working with all of the different pro like different classrooms, different teachers. It was not cohesive at all, but I really like just leaned into my classroom and the, program that I was implementing with those kids and they put a lot of more challenging kids um for lack of a better word in my in my classroom kids with just really strong personalities who had big body developmental needs mm-hmm. um and I did, made a lot of like unconventional choices and it was probably my favorite year teaching was the last year that I taught at that school because I did those things that some people might say like, Oh, that you get, you put all the challenging kids in the bushes. (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) But it was, it was so, I was able to witness the full circle of it. Right. And it's so hard to put it into words to explain to people, like you said, like empowering, like it's like that word is it. It's like, it's just, there's so much, there's not even the words to describe how it feels to, to give children what they what they deserve. Like you said, that they deserve to, to be trusted and to have space and time and just freedom to be in the bushes. <laughs> and, and, it, and it can make your life easier. Uh, I mean, Rachel's found that out with the rough and tumble plate. You're like, when you're not micromanaging everything, when you're giving them the power and control and trust, your life gets easier too. If, if you're, if you're comfortable with not being needed or whined to as much. I mean, some people, some people need that. They need to have kids hanging on them, wanting them to be the decision maker and wanting them to be the decider. Um, but, but there's plenty of us that are, that are cool with giving that up. And, and so empowering the kids really, really takes a lot of pressure and weight and stress off of, off of you as the adult a lot of times as well. 100%. So um, this is one of those episodes where where we spent the whole episode within the before we got into the topic stuff. We never really got into the 
into the topic. Um, but 42 minutes in, it's probably a little bit late for that. I got one other thing I want to throw out at you before we wrap this up, because I, I don't know if this is play or not, but I just, I was, as we were talking, I started thinking about this. There's been this thing that's been happening when I'm out for the dogs in the morning. So about, about 6.30 in the morning, the middle school um, school bus rolls by. Now that seems, that seems damn early um, to be getting on a bus, but you know, I'm not the boss of that. And uh, at the bus stop, there's been this, uh, this young lady of middle school age waiting for the bus because you wouldn't get on the middle school bus if you weren't in middle school. Um, and uh, walked by the, the, the right shortly after we, we moved uh, here to the snuggery um, with the pups. And she's like, I like your dogs. And, and I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, thanks. And then for, for like the next whole, oh, what has it been? It's been a couple of months now. Every single time we walk by, it's been, I like your dogs with that same, that same voice. And, and I'm always some version of, uh, yeah, they like you too. Um, or, or something like that. And, and I realized, I, I think this is, this is a game, right? This is just, this is just a little bit of, of play banter that's going yeah. on between us. Um, and I think it's, I think it's really, really kind of cute. So apparently I've made a new friend, but, uh, but the other day I'm out and I only had one dog with because, uh, uh, Gigi is scared of thunder and there'd been a little bit of thunder overnight and she wasn't, she didn't quite know it was safe to go outside yet. So, uh, Poor baby. <laughs> yeah, she was sleeping in and, uh, and this little girl's like, only one dog today. Where's the other one? And, and she's like really concerned. And I'm like, oh well, she's she's not. Re she doesn't really like the thunder, so she uh, she decided to stay inside. And she's like, oh, and like like her. It was like her little heart was broken that the that the dog was sad. And then the next day, day she she had this big smile on her face, like, oh, they're both back. I feel so much better. <laughs> Oh, when, when she first started doing the, the I like your dogs thing, I thought it was uh, one of those those snarky middle school kind of tone things, yeah. but it, it totally isn't. It's this just this sweet she little person sweet. trying to connect. Yeah. And it's, and it's like that nice pattern thing. seeking thing, right? That pattern seeking yeah. thing that we all have. Our brains seek that pattern, that routine. And and th that pattern had been broken and she had to make sure that that, that everything was going to be right again. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that's kind of, kind of been a neat little thing. That's Any final fun. thoughts before we wrap up this uh, episode of, I don't know what it was about, but it was a nice episode. I thought. Um, <laughs> my final thought is that give your kids, if you can, depend, like if you're working in a center and depending, you know, on your rules and parameters, if you can try to give your kids even like small opportunities where they can feel like they are alone, like it's a child only space and it's really fun um as a as a teacher to to kind of witness that the giggles and the fun and, and the joy that they get from that so try it out yes i guess my final thought is that there's power in letting go like letting go of the control a little bit and i feel like that's something that we really kind of dived into today um, between the rough and tumble play and like letting the kids go in the bushes that there's power not only for the kids but for the caregivers as well yeah i think that's always a reminder that that anybody could use you know at any mm -hmm. given time is, is to just let go slow down and let go yeah 
my thoughts are all revolving all those two go-karts and uh, what's going to be happening with two yeah. go-karts. We need an update next time for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, right now there's only, there was two. I don't know if you guys saw my eyes through this, but um, there's a couple times where I was like, Ugh. but right now there's only one going and it's still my son. He's going strong. All right. Are they going to use the excavator to make a go-kart track? That's what I want to know. Oh, I hope so. I like I my hope <laughs> Oh, I hope they build a go-kart track. That'd be a great weekend experience. Hey, listeners, thoughts, concerns, uh, voice or text to 228-363-6737. This has been the Child Care Bar and Grill, the world's longest running and most prolific early learning podcast with the words bar and grill in the title. This episode brought to you by Captain Morgan, Private Stock. Um, by the way, listeners, if you've got a spiced rum that I should try, uh, Hit me up at the uh, text or voicemail. I'd like to hear about it. Thanks for listening. Back soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.